Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20 this morning. Acts chapter 20. In our study of Acts, we are being instructed, being equipped, being prepared to stand as the church today. Be very sure this morning, it is for a purpose that we're going through this study. Now, I want you to be sure of that. It's not just something to do. It's not just the next thing that was up. This study that we're moving through has a purpose, and that purpose is to prepare us to stand as the church today. Now, in that vein, in that understanding, let me ask you the question this morning. What is the battle of the church today? What battle is the church facing today? Now, there could be many answers. I've heard that it is a battle for relevance today, that we must try and fit the need of the day, that we must be relevant in this day. And they would say the church is in a battle for relevance today. I've heard that we are in a battle for religious freedom today, and that, that is the, the age that we're living in. That is the, the great battle of the church, that we, we must be able to say what we say and believe what we believe without interference from the culture or for, from the government or anyone else. And I hear folks say, we're in a battle for our religious freedom today. I've seen that we're in a battle for acceptance and influence today. And you watch, and we see it even here in our church with all of the competing stuff and with all of the jam-packed schedules and the, the jam-packed agendas that we have to try to find a place of, of, of influence in the lives of people today, we, that we're competing to have a, a piece of the pie of people's time today. And folks say that is the battle. I could go on and on. There are all sorts of stuff. I could go on and on, but I'll just cut to the chase this morning, and I want you to be sure of this. I want you to hear this. The battle of the church today, the battle that is raging, the battle that we cannot bear to fail is the battle for truth today. Listen to me. It is the battle for the truth today. Nothing is so under attack today. Nothing is so important and necessary. Nothing is so deserving of our attention today in the church. There is a battle raging for the truth today. Today in our verses, Paul is for the second week addressing a group of pastors. We will see and we will be instructed in our battle for the truth from our message today. Our message today is entitled, A Word from the Pastor. A Word from the Pastor. We're in Acts chapter 20, today verses 25 through 38. Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 38. A Word from the Pastor. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. <coughs> Beginning of verse 25, and now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock 
among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by my working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today, we are rejoicing in you. We're thankful that today as we stand here, we can sing and we can proclaim without a shadow of doubt, Jesus is Lord. Lord, I'm thankful that we have hope today, that we have peace today, that our anchor holds today. Lord, we come and we celebrate today the testimony of baptism. I pray for this young lady that you would bless her and encourage her and and grow her in your truth, your word. I pray that she would stand as a, a witness testifying to the power of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for us as the church today. I pray as as we begin to look at your word. I pray that through it and in it, you would speak. I know that's what you do. I pray that any hindrance, any distraction be removed. I pray that we would be supernaturally grown today, led today, empowered today, shaped today in the hearing of your word. I pray it's not just a normal event not just a sermon, a lecture to endure, to to move through, but that we would hear from the living God today. And I pray the fruit of all of this, Lord, is that you would be known, that you'd be glorified, that your name would be lifted up. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Remember the context today. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, On his way, making the trip, he has assembled the pastors from the city of Ephesus. Remember, it is a grand city, a big city, about 250,000 people. And he has called for the pastors of the churches in that city to come and meet with him. As a pastor himself, he is talking to pastors from this city. Now, we started this section of verses last week. I called it Paul's pastor's conference, and we're going to continue this section this week. Now, as we begin this week, I I want you to see the the urgency of Paul. Now, to see the urgency of Paul, to see the heaviness of his mission, remember as he's making his way to Jerusalem, as he's passing through all of these cities, the Holy Spirit, God has been telling him 
that hardships are waiting for him, that trouble is waiting for him. It says even afflictions are waiting for Paul. So ahead in Jerusalem, as he makes his way, God has told him affliction is waiting for you in Jerusalem. And then remember his response. I'm going to back up to verse 24. Here's his response. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul shows us, Paul tells them he is totally surrendered. He is totally given to the mission that God has given to him, and that is to preach the gospel of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I have done it here, and you have seen it. And Paul is now saying, even though there is trouble ahead, I will do it there as well. Paul is going to preach the gospel. He's going to preach the gospel. Now, that's where we're at this morning. That's where we're going to start back in our verses today. All right, jumping back in today at verse 25. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Now, again, he is leaving the region. He is leaving Ephesus. He has trained these pastors. He has been an example to them. He has taught them. And these now are his final instructions to them. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a big deal. These, this is the final exhortation he will give them, the, the final instruction. These are his last words that he will give to these pastors. Now, can you imagine the bigness of that, the hugeness of that? The last words that he will give to these pastors in the front line of the cause of Jesus Christ. Here's his last words. Verse 26 and 27 together. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now I want to read those two verses again. Therefore, last words, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now, Paul says here in these two verses, what he was called to do and what he was responsible to do, he has done. Now, he's confident of that. He says, what I was called to do, what I have a responsibility to have done, those are the things that I have done. Now, you might ask, well, what was that? Well, it says here, what he was responsible to do was to preach, to proclaim to teach the whole purpose of God or the full counsel of God. Now, that is meaning the whole of the word of God. He says, I have been faithful to do what I was supposed to do, and that is to preach the the entirety, the the totality, the, the whole of the word of God. Now, here's the deal. Paul wasn't to choose parts of the Bible to preach. 
of God's word. He wasn't to choose the parts that they would like. He could go to, to a crowd. He could survey the crowd. He was smart enough to tell them the things that they would like to hear, what they wanted to hear. He wasn't to leave other parts out. No, listen, he was given the full message of God, and he was given the responsibility to preach the full message of God. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. Paul had trouble everywhere he went. Paul suffered affliction everywhere he went. Most of the places he went, he was chased out of town. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. He had to preach that there's only one God to people that believed in many gods. He had to preach that the law wouldn't save you to the Jews who love the law. He had to preach that the pagan gods were false to the Gentiles, to the pagans who embraced them. He had to preach sin to those who were reveling in their sin, who were participating in their sin. He had to preach repentance to those that were self-righteous and they hated the very idea of it. He had to preach there's only one way to be saved to those that clung to all of their ways to be saved. And popular or not, well-received or not, he had to preach, the Bible says, the whole purpose of God. Friends, I want you to listen to me and I want you to be sure of this in our day. Preaching a part of the gospel, preaching a piece of the gospel, preaching a distortion of the gospel, preaching a different version of the gospel is not preaching the gospel because there's only one gospel and there's only good news in the gospel. You understand that? People come along and they'll say, well, I'll take this piece of the gospel, but I'll add something to it. I'll take this much of the gospel, but I'll leave something out of it. And the crowds will love it and people will thrive on it. Listen, there is only good news in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice here, it says... He did not shrink back. Now, we've seen this for two weeks. This is a big deal for us to hear today. He did not shrink back. The word, we saw it last week, means to pull in, to pull back, to withdraw is what it means. Folks, today, listen, our battle rages today. There's a battle for the truth and people can't find the truth, and they're not sure what the truth is, and our young people are out trying to weigh what the truth is. There's a battle for the truth today because, listen, too many are shrinking back. Too many today are unwilling to stand. Too many today are unwilling to bear the cost and the public pressure and the ridicule of the culture and a lost and dying world and the temptation today is to shrink back and we're in a mess today because too many people won't pay the price and they're shrinking back from the full message of God. Well, what if that doesn't fit today? What if some don't like that today? What if we can't say, well, I, I believe that God has created in this way. This is what he said, and he gives it as an eyewitness account, and I stand by what God has said. We began to shrink back. Listen, we cannot shrink back. The mess we're in is because too many people are shrinking back. Now, I want you to see this as well. 
What is at stake? We, we can't shrink back. Well, what is at stake? I want you to see this, and we need to be sure of it. It is a matter of life and death. Do you know that? It is a matter of life and death. Go look and read verse 26 if you want to. He says, I'm not guilty of the blood of these folks. What's he talking about? He is saying this. There are eternities, lives, people hanging in the balance. Lives are at stake. I'm pretty sure we don't get that today. I'm pretty sure that's too heavy for us to grab a hold of today. Be sure we are not in a battle for influence. We're not in a battle for relevance. We're not in a battle for sure for acceptance. We are in a battle for lives and more than that for eternities. The church holding the gospel of Jesus Christ, not shrinking back. We are in a battle for eternities. All the time. Let me just tell you this. All the time, all the time, I hear, why worry about the truth? Why worry about doctrine? Why worry about the truth? I hear it all the time. Why does it matter? Why is he so crazy about all that? Doesn't he know he's upsetting some folks? Doesn't he know that makes some folks uncomfortable? Doesn't he know that is too divisive? Why worry about it? I want you to hear me listen very carefully. In matters of truth, if we fail, and if in failing people miss Jesus, they are lost. Do you understand that? It's all or nothing. They are lost. You know, that's why Paul says, oh, how are they here without a preacher? That's why Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. That's why Paul says, I know I'm going to be afflicted, but I'm going to go anyway. In matters of truth, if we fail, and if in failing people miss Jesus, they are forever eternally lost. We can't shrink back. Verse 26 again. Therefore I testify to you to this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Verse 27, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among you, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 28 again. Be on guard. This is what you do. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, verse 28 is a loaded verse. Verse 28 was so much on the line and with no more chances to talk to them, he says, you're not going to see my face any longer. This is what he says, all right? Not going to talk to him again with eternities at stake. Here's what he says. He starts off and he says to these pastors, be on guard for yourselves. Be on guard for yourselves. Now, what that means is, pastor, watch yourself. 
Guard yourself. Now, that's interesting. That's the starting place here. Examine yourself. Watch yourself. Because the leader doesn't lead absent from who they are. Now, what that means is what they do matters to what they say, and what they say matters to what they do. And so he says, pastors, look at yourself. Be on guard. The pastor can't be careless, can't be flippant in this. What they do matters to what they say, and what they say matters to what they do. He tells them, be on guard for yourselves. He goes on, and he says, and for all the flock. Now start to see a picture as it it develops here. He's talking about the church. And for all the flock, the church, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now remember, That word overseers, it is one of three words interchangeable for the office of pastor in the New Testament. We saw that last week. There is the pastor, the overseer, the shepherd. It is one of three words interchangeable for the pastor of the church. He says he has made them overseers. Now what that means right here is this. The pastor, the overseer, the shepherd of the flock of the church is called by God. Be sure of that. The pastor of the church is appointed by God. Read the verse. The pastor of the church in these local churches, the expression of the universal church, the pastor of the church is placed by God in that local flock. Now, we saw this last week, but my call, my call is the pastor of this church is from God. My placement as the pastor of this church is of God. It's not of anybody else. It's not of anybody else. My call is from God. And so listen to me. And so my stewardship is to God. Do you understand that? The Bible says I'm as one that will give an account. That's what the Bible says. And so I am placed by God, called by God. Therefore, my stewardship, my stewardship is to God. The Bible says, I will give an answer, an account for that stewardship. Let me tell you this. Listen. Why are so many pastors shrinking back today? Why why is there so much wishy-washy stuff going on today? Lots of pastors shrink back, listen, when they start to try to appease the people, when they start to think they're working for the people, And they forget the truth that they will answer to God. And I believe that's what's happening. You know what? I've got a a bunch of folks and they all want these things. And if I don't do these things, the money will dry up. And if I don't do these things, they'll run me out of this town. My family will have to go find somewhere else to live. And if I'm going to be popular and if I'm going to do well, I have to appease the flock. I have to, 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 to satisfy the flock. And people forget, listen, that the pastor will answer to God. He answers to God. Now the verse goes on and gives a job description of the God-called overseer. Now there are several places in in Paul's letters to Timothy and to Titus, other places as well. But here we find a job description of the pastor of the church, the overseer of the church. What's the job description? Here it is. It says, shepherd the church of God. 
I've seen folks and they'll have two and three page typed out job descriptions for the pastor. Now they're probably just making it clear, but here's the deal. It ought to just say shepherd the church of God. Shepherd the church of God. You're going to give an answer. Shepherd the church of God. Now I want you to notice this. As always, God is very specific in his choice of words. These are his words. He doesn't just pick words randomly. He is very specific in his choice of words. Now, what that means is his words mean something. And so I want you to notice this. The pastor's role is to shepherd the church. God picked that word. The pastor's role is to shepherd the church. There is a picture there. Now, I want you to think about that. What does the shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for the sheep. A shepherd protects the sheep, watches over the sheep. A shepherd feeds the sheep. A shepherd leads the sheep. That's what a shepherd does, leads the sheep. Think about this picture. Did you know you cannot push or drive sheep? I'll add to that cats. You can't do cats the same way either. You cannot push sheep. You never heard of a sheep drive somewhere. You can't push them. They'll scatter. They'll go all every which way. You must lead the sheep. You must lead them. Listen, that's God's picture. And I want you to understand this. The God called pastor in the leading of God, in the empowerment of God, and with the responsibility to God, leads the sheep. The pastor leads the sheep. That's God's plan. I'll just, I'll just tell you, and it's, it's sad, and I see it all the time. There is a movement, and it's growing. There's a movement, and it's taking hold. And I'll just have to go ahead and tell you, it's, it, 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 from God's word, it's not correct. But there is a movement today for the sheep to lead the church. And they got different names for that, and they got different ideas about that. But the, but the sheep lead the church. Can you imagine how absurd that is? The sheep decide. The sheep determine what they're going to do. And the shepherd is led around by the sheep. Folks, listen to me. This is, this is God's word, not mine. That won't work. That's not God's plan. In God's plan, he gives a shepherd and led by God the pastor leads the sheep. Now, let me add this to it. So now, do you see why it's so important to discern and to find and to get God's shepherd for the sheep? You see, that's the one that's going to lead. That's the one that the sheep are going to follow. That's the one that's given the task to protect the sheep. And some folks act like, well, that's no big deal. I got a list of all the things I want and all the things I don't want. And, and this guy did this thing over there and maybe he'll do these things over here. And we forget to see that it is God's plan, God's movement, God's work. And we're flippant when we discern who God has led to lead the sheep. I want to look at one last thing before we move on there. Notice how precious the church is to God. 
You see, we make light of the church. I'm, I'm just to be honest with you. We make light of the church. We neglect our place in the church. God's gifted you to serve his church. We neglect our place in the church. We are hot and cold with the church. We're in and out with the church. But I want you to see this. But yet the church is precious to the Lord. The church is precious to the Lord. Why? Because he purchased it with his very own blood. Listen, that's talking about you. That's talking about me. You are precious to the Lord. If you've put your faith in Christ, his, his blood, his righteousness is given to you. And so you are placed in the precious plan of the Lord, the plan of the church. The church is precious to the Lord. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, Paul says in verse 29, the reality is when he leaves, savage, it's a word that means violent, ravenous, oppressive, savage wolves will show up and he says their goal is to destroy the flock. That's what that language means. Not harass the flock. Their goal is to destroy the flock. Their goal is to destroy the local body of believers. The goal is destruction. Now see this. In the absence of truth, there is a void. And Satan and the world want to fill that void with non-truth. Now be sure of that. Listen to me. There is either truth or there will be coming non-truth. And that's what that's saying. There is either truth or if there's not truth, there will be coming non-truth. Now be sure and the guard of that is to be the pastor. That's what Paul was telling them. Be a guard of the flock. Be a guard of the truth. Who is your pastor to you? He is a guard of the truth. Verse 30. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Very important verse. Don't miss this. Out of these pastors, not from somewhere else, this is amazing, not from some outside attack, but out of these pastors, Paul says there will arise some, there'll be, there will arise some men and they will be speaking, it means preaching, proclaiming, perverse things. Now, in the original language, that means crooked things. It very simply means not correct things. And so, out of this group of pastors, there will arise some of them, and they will preach incorrect things. It says, the goal is to draw away. It literally translates to tear away 
the disciples after them. Look at it. Here's the body of Christ, and here come some folks, and they teach incorrect things, and the fruit of that is they begin to pull away, to tear away the disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, there's so much here. We're going to have to get it in gear, but there's so much here. First thing is this. Just because someone is called pastor and just because somebody has a pulpit doesn't always mean they're trustworthy. And that's what he says. Some of these pastors here, they've made their way. They're in the fellowship of pastors. Just because they're called pastor, just because they have a pulpit doesn't mean they're trustworthy. Listen to me. They are trustworthy as far as they are in line with the truth of God's word. You want to know how there's a pastor that's trustworthy? They are trustworthy as far as they are in line with the truth of God's word. They cannot preach crooked things. They cannot preach incorrect things and be God's pastor. Here's the deal. The Bible is the plumb line, not a denomination, not some council, not some group. The Bible is the plumb line. The Bible is the standard. The Bible is the message, and I want you to hear me, and there can be no deviation from the Bible, the Word of God. And so you got some pastor, and he says, almost right. He says some things that are close to right. He's got all the right language, but it's not exactly right. Listen, they are not the pastor sent from God because the plumb line, the standard, and the message is the word of God. There can be no deviation. And that brings us to the realization. Here's what's happening. It's unfolding as we move to the verses. That brings us to this realization, fully now unveiled here in these verses, and that is this. Listen, the battle is for the truth. Here we go, and he's been teaching them, and he's been instructing them, and we've seen this unfold. Now, here's what has unfolded. He has unveiled here, the battle is for the truth. It all comes down to this, the battle is for the truth. Listen very carefully. Folks, listen very carefully. The way you bless a church, and the way you lead a church, and the way you protect a church and the way you honor the Savior who purchased the church is in fidelity to and the preaching of the Word of God. Did you hear that? How you lead a church, how you bless a church, how you protect a church, how you honor the Savior that purchased that church is in the fidelity to the preaching of the Word of God. And let me tell you the flip side of that. And likewise, the way you destroy a church, listen to me, the way you wreck a flock, the way you disrupt the disciples is by teaching anything other than the truth. I'm talking about the Bible, the Word of God. It is a battle for the truth. And listen to me this morning, that is why it matters. That is why it keeps coming up. That is why he uses his last word to declare this. That is why God places pastors in the church. It is a battle for the truth. Verse 31. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. He says, be on the alert. It means stand ready, stay awake. Don't let your guard down. Don't relax. 
If the truth is not here, the, the, the falsehood will come behind it. Be ready. Don't go to sleep. Stay awake. And then see this. Paul gives his example. He was consumed with it. Night and day, he preached it, proclaimed it, admonished them with tears. I read that. I wonder if anybody said, Paul, relax. Paul, relax, it's Tuesday. Paul, man, it's Friday. Give it a break. We'll see you later on Sunday, Lord's Day. I wonder if anybody said, Paul, you're making everybody mad. Paul, the Jews are meeting again. Paul, the pagans at their pagan temple, they're up in arms again. Paul, let it go. Paul said with tears, he was overcome with it. This was his focus, verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. All right, in verse 32, we see the pastor's help. The pastor's help, the pastor's strength is in two things, God and his word. And that's what it says. There, there, there's two strengths for the pastor, two helps for the pastor, God and the word of God. Paul says to these pastors, and now I turn you over, I commend you to both. Here's a good thing for you to know. Here's a good thing for you to know. What should your pastor's primary concern be? Now, now listen, you may go from here and have a different pastor. I, 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 something may happen to me and you may have a different pastor. And, and someday you're evaluating pastors and you're trying to think about pastors. What should your pastor's primary concern be? Now, we saw it earlier in Acts, but here we see it again. It has to be prayer in the word of God. It has to be prayer and the word of God, plain and simple. There are other things to do. There are always other things to do. There, there's things that have to be done. But I want you to hear me. The church will be blessed as the pastor prays and is in the word of God. Bottom line. Verses 33 through 35. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who are with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul shows us in these verses, he operated in integrity. It wasn't for personal gain. I didn't try to get a bunch of gold together. He operated in integrity. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. The last thing that he does is pray. And I, I want you to see this. He is reminding them. He is reminding us. Listen very carefully. We cannot forget this is a supernatural thing. Well, it's a thing to check off. No. No. Well, it's a good thing that I, I get good things out of if I go to it. No, 
The church is a supernatural thing. The word of God is a supernatural thing. The mission of Christ is empowered. It is a supernatural thing. We can't forget this is a supernatural thing. And so Paul tells them the truth. He has admonished them in tears. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem and he gets on his knees and with them they pray to God. It is a supernatural thing. Verses 37 and 38. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. All of that to say this, the truth matters. All of that to say this, the truth matters. You see, Jesus is the truth. And you see, there's only hope in the truth. There's only peace and forgiveness in the truth. That's why there's a battle for the truth. That is why Satan attacks it. That's why the world can't stand it. All that comes back to this. The truth matters because the good news of the gospel of Jesus is the truth. Listen to me. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here and you'd say, no, I've heard versions of this. I've heard pieces of this. Maybe I've heard the totality of this, but I've never made it personal. I want to tell you, the battle today is still for the truth. The question today is this, what will you do with the truth? The starting place for an individual is to trust it, to trust the Savior of it, to turn to Jesus. Maybe you're listening here, maybe you're listening in some other means, but you've never trusted Jesus. Listen, that's the truth. This is the truth. By it, you're saved. By it, you're forgiven. By it, you're made right with a holy, perfect, just God. Here's my, here's my call to you today. Receive the truth. Embrace the truth. Trust the truth. His name is Jesus. He'll save you today. He'll save you today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. During Father, we come today. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for the truth that saves. We're thankful for Jesus and your grace and your kindness and your love shown to sinners. I'm thankful for this word, Lord, that, that as we go through it, you're not just trying to pound us into, into some mold, some, some model to follow, but you're telling us this matters. It matters for eternity. Lord, I pray we'll stand upon the truth and we'll commit to your church, which is precious to you and precious to us. The fruit of it is the gospel will be upheld. The truth will be proclaimed. Lives will be saved. Eternity saved. Hearts changed. All to the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you've been pleased in this. I pray that you continue to speak through it. I pray, Lord, that your church is shaped in it today. Again, I pray that the fruit will be much glory going to you. Lord, I pray as we close this time, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, I pray that their ears have heard. I pray now as they decide that the distractions are removed. And I pray, Lord, they turn to Jesus and trust you for your glory, for your namesake, and in your plan, your purpose. Lord, we come and we just praise you. We thank you. We turn this time over to you. We ask that you move and you work in it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, it truly is the most important time. Now, what we just did is very important. We've just heard the word of God. But I want to tell you, more important than that, 
is our chance, our choice to respond to the word of God. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, my call to you today is turn to him. Trust him today. He'll save you today. The Bible says all of us have sinned, all of us. The Bible says all of us in our sin have earned a punishment, death, separation from God for eternity. We go through life thinking, you know what? I'll put these pieces together and I'll find peace. I'll turn this corner and over there somehow there'll be joy and it never turns out. There is hope and peace and salvation only in Jesus. The Bible says God loves you so much he sent his only begotten son. He came, he lived a life of no sin so he could pay for our life of sin. He goes to the cross and he pays for it there. He settles it there. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. He stands as the risen Savior, the King of kings, our hope, the Lamb of God, risen from the grave. The Bible says if we will trust him for our salvation, we shall be saved. No work to do, no work that we can do. Saved by faith in him. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you. Just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation if God is speaking to you. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle it today. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you today. Maybe you're here and you've trusted him, but you've never fought in believer's baptism as this one did to start our service. And so you would come today and say, yes, I've trusted Jesus. Maybe it was recently, maybe it was further back in time, but, but I've never fought in believer's baptism. The Bible says it's always by immersion, always after the point that a person is saved. That's the New Testament meaning. You come and we'll set a day and it'll be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve him and we'll uphold his name and together we'll encourage each other not to shrink back. That the world would hear of a savior, a gracious, kind savior, Jesus. Maybe you want to come and pray at an altar here today. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would head for an exit. No one would stir about that you'd be praying for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you as we stand to sing, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here at the front. You come on. I'll meet you here.